Here at Just Baseball, we have teamed up with BetMGM for the 2023 MLB season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use code JUSTBASEBALL, and you will get up to a $1,000 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Step number one, download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code JUSTBASEBALL. Step number two, deposit at least $10 and place your first wager on any game. Step number three, you will receive up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your bet loses. Just make sure you use bonus code JUSTBASEBALL when you sign up. Disclaimer, 21 plus to wager. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. U.S. promotional offers not available in Washington, D.C., Mississippi, Nevada, New York, and Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in Colorado, Washington, D.C., Illinois, Indiana, Louisiana, Maryland, Mississippi, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY to 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. Call 1-800-522-4700 in Kansas and Nevada. Call 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. Call 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. Call 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code JUSTBASEBALL and get your $1,000 first bet offer today. Thursday, June 1st on the Just Baseball Show, and it's time to talk about some bad baseball. Through the first two months of the season, that's Jack McMullen and I'm Peter Apple, and of course, Arm Layton have normally talked about the good parts of baseball, right? We shower praise, occasionally we'll get a little bit mean, but today, it's all shit. In this episode, we are bringing on Javier Reyes, our Padres writer, to shit on him about the San Diego Padres. Then we're going to welcome on our new Tigers writer. He used to be our A's writer, but decided to switch because he couldn't handle it anymore. But to start off this podcast, Jack, through the first two months, we have some absolute stinkers. And I'm excited to run you through those before we get to our interviews. How horrible is your day gone? Uh, My day was fine before this. I'm going to stoop down to your level for the next 45 minutes to an hour, and then I'm going to try and rebound and have an excellent evening. How are you? I'm doing well. And of course, the Just Baseball Show is sponsored by BetMGM, the king of sportsbooks. Wager $10 on any MLB game and get up to $100 in bonus bets. Wanted to get that out of the way for our friends over at BetMGM before we start shitting on some teams I'm glad that you're able to stoop to my level because it is it is kind of crappy just shitting on teams, but we got to do it. Yeah, no, I, I like shit. I try to do it once a day. Yeah, good for you. All right, let's get into the worst of the worst. And we'll start with the worst WRC plus in Major League Baseball. It's the Cleveland Guardians at 76. Who do you think is the next worst team in WRC plus? Um, it's not Oakland. 
My guess would be Detroit. It is the Kansas City Royals at 84. Okay. The team who's supposed to be known for offense is second to last at WRC+. Plus, but Cleveland is by far. Another note about the Guardians. The Cleveland Guardians and Colton Wong have the same hard hit rate this season. Three of the top 10 worst players in hard hit rate are Andres Jimenez, Miles Straw, and Stephen Kwan. Andres Jimenez and Miles Straw are one and two, and Stephen Kwan is number seven. So Jimenez is such a brutal cautionary tale. Brutal. So hard. Um, He's always going to give you value with his glove, but this turnaround, and I don't know if it's the book being out on him or just like two hard months to open the year, but these two hard months are unacceptable from an $100 million player. They're acceptable from a guy that like he's trying to find his footing in Major League Baseball. And even then, like that guy may be getting optioned, but come on, like the season after you sign an $100 million extension, you need to be better than this. And that's why we waited two months, right, to do the bad baseball episode, because making fun of guys in a small sample of April is kind of unfair. And I talked about with Arm yesterday, Memorial Day is kind of the barometer of, all right. Now it's time to consider the panic button. Don't press it yet, but it's still important to highlight some of the worst of baseball through the first two months of the season. And if we're talking about hard hit rate, who do you think of among qualified pitchers is allowing the hardest contact in Major League Baseball? Is five qualified? He is not qualified. I'll give you a hint. American League Central. AL Central. Um, Okay, it's not going to be Lance Lynn. Is it Lance Lynn? It is not Lance Lynn. It's not Lance Lynn. Same team? Nope. So it's not Kopech because Kopech had that great mate. It's not a White Sox. It's not a White Sox. Yeah. Um, it is funny not a, how your it is funny how your brain goes to the White Sox. Though. Yeah, like I I'm so sad. Like you just got me sad right away. Is it a Guardian? It is not a Guardian. It is okay. a Kansas City Royal. Is it Lyles? It is not Lyles, but we're going to talk about Lyles in a minute. Who is it? It is Brady Singer. No way. 57% hard hit rate. Dude. Over 50% of his balls are hit above 95 miles an hour. Dude. Let's talk about um, the pitcher with the worst ERA in all of baseball. Among qualified starters, your worst pitcher is Jordan Lyles at 7.30. Next worst. You already mentioned him. His name is Lance Lynn. And he is on the Chicago White Sox. Yeah. We're talking about the American League Central. Right. Are now. you having like are you having fun? Sure. They, but like here's the thing. We did this on Tuesday. We're doing it again today. Right. I mean, it's it's shit on the White Sox hour. I I do think it's good that we are talking about the American League Central right now because when it comes to bad baseball. There is no better standard of bad baseball than the AL Central. So, so far we've hit Cleveland, we've hit Kansas City, and we've hit Jordan Lyles and Lance Lynn. What else you got going on? The worst team batting average is the Oakland A's at 220. Okay. Which team is hitting 222, which is second worst in Major League Baseball? Is it Kansas City? It is the San Diego Padres. I Not good. How about the worst strikeout rate? We're going back to the American League Central. The Minnesota Twins lead all of baseball in strikeout rate at 26.7%. Next worst is a National League West team. 
Padres. San Francisco Giants at huh. 25.6%. But so, I wanted to highlight that one because the Twins are in first. And there's like seven to eight teams on like the high 24%, low 25%. And the twins are in 26.7. So they're striking out way more than everybody else. So let me just say for the billionth year in a row, the Minnesota twins lineup is constructed to strike out. They're constructed to hit homers, but like we talked about this preseason, did we not? We said the twins may strike out 20 times in a game, but they may also hit, you know, seven home runs in a game. Like that's what the offense is designed to do. And guess what? They're doing it and they're successful. The new rules were designed to help teams steal more bases. Who do you think has stolen the least amount of bases in Major League Baseball? Division. National League West. Um, it's not Colorado. It's, of course, Colorado. They have 19 stolen bases as a team. Yeah, but who steals them? <laughs> I don't know. Like, Charlie Blackman's in that lineup. Like, nobody's stealing bases if Charlie Blackman's in your lineup. Next worst is going back to the American League Central. The Twins have stolen 23 bases. Yeah, because they hit nukes. <laughs> yeah, they do. Uh, let's talk about defense. The worst defensive player by defensive war is Washington National, Lane Thomas. What? He's made a couple of nice catches. Yeah, a couple. <laughs> a couple. <laughs> the worst defender by outs above average is Cleveland Guardian shortstop. Ahmed Rosario, who is known for the glove. The worst by defensive runs saved is teammates. (laughs) Asturio Ruiz and Shea Langliers of the Oakland A's, the two young guns traded over to the A's, are the two worst in defensive runs saved. Like, that just feels like an outlier because Asturio is so fast and Langoliers, like, the scouting grades were decent on his glove. I don't know. Doesn't it? Ah, that sucks. Um, That sucks. Who is the outs above average bottom dweller? Uh, Ahmed Rosario of the Cleveland Guardians. So, Rokio's ready. Like, Rokio should be the shortstop (laughs) for the Cleveland Guardians. Again, Like, I watched him for an entire week last week again. He's hitting like 340 in AAA, and he's playing great defense. Rokio's ready to be the shortstop of the Guardians. Who do you think is the worst defensive team by defensive war? Cleveland? Or no, not Cleveland. Um, Oakland? Nope. Uh, National League Central. National Um, League Central. NL Central. It's not the Pirates. It is the Pirates. Oh, that's so sad. By like kind of a lot. That's so sad. They are three wins above replacement worse than every other team. Well, so let me just say, okay, they're trying to figure out shortstop with O'Neill Cruz out, Good and they're point. trying to figure out center field. And those are two positions where shit can hit the fan quick. Yeah, those are two pretty key positions. All right, let's talk catchers. So the worst pop time technically is for Logan O'Hoppy, but I'm going to give him a break because he barely played. Yeah, and you can't pile on the injured guy. You can't pile on the injured guy. But I can pile on some guys who haven't been injured. Stallings. Nope. Yasmani oh. Grandal. Okay. Victor Caratini and Eric Haas. Two American League Central guys and a National League Central guy. Yeah. So, what Grandal, about the worst? Yeah, can I just say Grandal is making exponentially more than Caratini and Haas combined? <laughs> yes. Yes, you can say that. Okay. Uh, the worst pitch framers. We welcome back Oakland A's backstop. Shay Langliers. Dude, that sucks. And then we also welcome in a Washington National, 
Kyber Ruiz is the worst at pitch framing on Baseball Savant. Yeah, but he's $50 million richer. What do you say to that? I say he's doing better than me right now. Yep. Your worst starter ERA. We all know it's the Oakland A's at 6.99. That's their average starter ERA. Seven. Yep. And yep. the Rockies, they're, they're right there. But they play on the moon, so we got to give them a break. They're at five nine four. Yeah, Oakland that's not gonna... right there. That's more than a run below what Oakland's doing. But they pitch on the moon. Yes, which makes Oakland in that in that cavernous ballpark yeah. even crazier. It's disgusting what they're doing. Uh, your worst reliever ERA. The Oakland A's sit at six three one. Yeah, and the Chicago Richard... White Sox. Yeah, go ahead. Love Lady's been good, right? Richard Love Lady. Yep. He's that been... listen, what does that last name tell you? Richard Love Lady. That he's a deadline acquisition for a team. And he gets after it. Yeah. He right? gets after if it. his last name's Love Lady, he's having a good time. Richard Love Lady, 17 appearances, a two three five ERA. Dumb. So he's had 17 appearances at the reliever ERA. So if you take him out of it, what is it? An- another seven? A billion. Yeah. Next worst, your Chicago White Sox at 5.03. It was cool what Joe Kelly was doing with his uh, varying leg lifts yeah. for a couple minutes. No, it was cool. He was uh, he was groined up. He had a groin issue, which would, had him on the IL. I got to start using that more. A guy's groined up. <laughs> there are five relievers with an ERA over seven. Adam Aller of the Oakland A's. Aaron Bummer of the Chicago White Sox, Michael Fulmer of the Chicago Cubs, Ryan Brazier of the Boston Red Sox, and Yenciel Monte of the Los Angeles Dodgers. Those are among qualified. I'm sure there's one guy had one appearance and gave up a billion runs. So join our So Rare League in the bio. So Rare is kind of redesigning fantasy baseball. It combines fantasy baseball and collectibles. I made a big mistake. I was looking for a cheap reliever on so rare. And I said, you know what? I'm buying the bounce back from Yancy Almonte. And it has kicked my ass in that league. It has not worked out for you. No, at all. What, what was it just? It can't be any worse. I Just a gut feel, man. I like that. <laughs> Sometimes I'm a gut you got to roll guy. with the gut. I like that. Who do you think is the slowest player in Major League Baseball? Um, Jacob Stallings. <laughs> Tucker Barnhart of the Dude, Chicago Cubs is how can Jacob Stallings not have come up by now? He just hasn't come up. He's because he's like the third worst at everything. Yeah. Who do you think has the lowest batting average in all of baseball? Um, it's by far. Division. National League East. I don't know. Kyle Schwarber. I did know that. He is hitting 167. Yeah. That is 21 fewer points than Joey Weimer on the Milwaukee Brewers, who's hitting 187 or is hitting 188. A shout out to Joey Weimer for being a qualified hitter. Um, shout out. Schwarber, I think, is OBPing 325, which like you want to be a lot higher. And you know how you get that higher? By mixing in some base hits. It's a good point. Who do you think has the worst jumps in the outfield? Again, by far. Not Lane Thomas. 
Kyle Schwarber. So that's some bad baseball. Let's talk with our resident Padres writer, Javier Reyes, about his San Diego Padres. We welcome on Javier Reyes, writer at JustBaseball.com and covers the clown show that is the San Diego Padres. And he's wearing a hat that perfectly symbolizes how these Padres have gone. Javi, I noticed that your Twitter account has gone awfully quiet this season. Any reason why? Look, to also address the hat, um, there's a the famous quote by the great American philosopher um, Julius from Remember the Titans. Yeah. Yep. When he says, attitude reflects leadership, Captain. Yep. And my Twitter account and my hat, I think, reflect the the tragedy um, that really is just a comedy, if we're being honest, and just the clown show, like you said, of the San Diego Padres season. Now, I will say I have tweeted about the Padres. I don't know where this idea is coming from that my account, I haven't tweeted about the Padres. I have. What I will I say not is been happy. <laughs> it's so much louder when the Padres are rolling. And then, like, I'll go after a bad loss and you'll be like, yeah, we'll get them next time. <laughs> That's just not Hoffy. In fairness, locked on Padres, I do tweet fairly frequently from there. But that that is true. That from my my normal account, um, it's been a lot less. I can be like that. I will admit. I, I'll I'll cop to it that I can be very you know puffing my chest when the things are going right, and then when they aren't, you know, I kind of hide in the background. I'm not the only one at just baseball that does this. That's a good. Point. I think we have plenty of folks. Plenty. Col- plenty. Colby still has not answered for the Celtics loss yet. Swolby Olsen, man. I mean, the guy just refuses to back down ever. <laughs> Can I just say, Javi just laid out a personality trait that I think is best shown in I Think You Should Leave Season 3, Episode 1. I just watched Season 3, and mm-hmm. the gist is, I'm not going to spoil it, but he's a political commentator that brings people on to debate, and the skit is whenever he's losing a debate, he will just take out his phone and play on his phone. And that is kind of Javi right now. He, he is playing on his phone while the Padres put together the worst offensive month in baseball, or at least one of them. Um, by far the worst, if you're looking at the relative idea of where the Padres should be to where they actually are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could and, go real quick. I could yeah. go positive here and say, Hey man, the pitching has been great, but no. like, I want to gauge your level of concern <laughs> here. Like, Hey, with how great the pitching has been, how shitty is this offense right now? It's funny because the pitching, particularly the back end of the of the starting pitching, was expected to be the weakness of this team. Um, and I thought the same thing as well. I didn't mind the Michael Walker signing, um, but I thought eh, the expected stats. He's basically only had like one good year. If the Cardinals give up on him, like I'm not going to let Swolby Olson and his Red Sox propaganda make me think this guy's great all of a sudden. But he has been good, and that's why Pac-Man's on the the call for the, the Waka man. And I think that he's been one of the nice bright spots for this team. There has been some cool stuff. Juan Soto has been performing like an MVP uh, for basically more than a month. Now he's been fantastic. Uh, Fernando Tatis jr. While his offense hasn't quite clicked, he's swinging at too many pitches, whiffing on too many things. He's been one of the more surprisingly incredible defenders in the outfield in baseball. So that's been cool, but I've talked about it on my show. Um, and I, I don't know if I've written for it for you guys just yet, but they remind me eerily of the 2015 Nationals. Um, and that was a team that had such a cop out. 
<laughs> what, what do you mean such a cop out? Every team that starts out terribly compares themselves to the 19 and no, 31 no, no. He said 15 Nats. Oh, 15 Okay, 20, I take back the cop out. <laughs> See, I'm diving a little bit deeper. But, yep. you know, and I actually, Peter, you tested that because that is what everybody does and what people Everyone are probably any minute now <laughs> going to talk about with this Padres team. Almost like a year from now when a team is the eighth seed and squeeze into the playoffs for the NBA. They're like, oh, Miami Heat. You never know. <laughs> yeah. You never know. Um, but with the pods, it reminds me of the 2015 team because that team, literally every player absent Bryce Harper, who has his MVP, yet one of the great young seasons, literally in the history of the game. That's not, not hyperbole, um, absent him and Max Scherzer, every single player drastically declined and performed at a below average level from WRC plus to defense. This is the Ian Desmond and Ryan Zimmerman days, right? Like the, and, and Jordan Zimmerman, um, yep. This Padres team is is similar where you have Soto performing at an MVP level, but they're wasting it. And it's not just a couple guys. It's not just Manny Machado, who before the injury wasn't hitting the ball hard, was I think for the first month, one of the 30 players that was in negative F4, if I remember correctly, which is remarkable considering they just extended him for the next 30 years. Um, that every single player uh, has performed under expectations. Bogarts has a great month. Now he's hitting like Eric Hobbs. Asmer. Um, Hassan Kim, bad first month, steps it up a bit, but no one else has, right? So it's just been back and forth, really madness. And for this team to be hitting as poorly as it does with runners in scoring position is really the main reason why the hat has come on. If they were middle of the pack offense, I could live with that. You know what I mean? Because last year they were maybe like a 19th ranked offense, just off the top of my head, like not the best, but they were carried by Manny. And this year you had Bogarts. You get you get Tatis back, who's now a supervillain, of course. You get a full year of Soto. It should be better than this, man. It really should, and it hasn't been. And when you watch them play, not not to pull the the oh, if you if you don't watch them, you don't know what you're talking about thing. <laughs> but the amount of like just swinging through fastballs, not being selective with the right pitches, not even getting a sack fly. I'll take a bunt. At this point, <laughs> Peter, I'll take a butt at this point. They just don't do it. And now I'm watching Gary Sanchez be recruited to this team, and it might not actually be the worst thing ever. Okay, so you've taken me a bunch of different ways right here. I can go to the Tatis supervillain thing, and I mm-hmm. want to hold that because you wrote a great article at JustBaseball.com. I see you have a bobblehead. I need to go get a bobblehead from the other room, which I will do in a couple of minutes. Um, we could also go to the catcher thing, and this is lightning quick. <laughs> Start one, bench one, cut one. Gary Sanchez, Austin Nola, Brett Sullivan, go. I'm starting Luis Campisano. <laughs> Thumb <laughs> surgery up, Luis Campisano. No, but in all seriousness, I need to cut the nepotism baby in uh, Austin Nola. I've had enough. Um, I don't care if the fan graphs and baseball reference projected framing metrics have him as the 60th best instead of the 65th best that Brett Sullivan or Gary Sanchez will be. I'm tired of it. I know that Aaron Knoll is his brother enough. You're not going to get him next season anyway. It's just no. And and I also don't like this. Now it can't be out. It was hurt. But before that happens, I understand that his framing metrics were really bad according to baseball reference and whatnot. But I think he's a good example of when stats get out of control where it's like small sample size, inconsistent playing time, you know, for sure that the 0.2 F4 you'll get from Austin Nola is better than you're just assuming that KP's is so bad. It's a negative three. 
right? Yeah. So I don't like that. So I will say start Luis Capizano for the bit, but actually start, just start. Gar- I, I'm doing what we did in our fantasy league last year where I just drafted memes. Just start Gary Sanchez. I don't care anymore, man. <laughs> I've seen this story before. I'm a Yankee fan, and I've seen lineups that they put out with Rugnit Odor hitting fifth and Gary Sanchez hitting sixth. Newsflash. That ain't winning baseball. Let's talk <laughs> about some of the bright spots, Javier Reyes, because sure. you mentioned the pitching. Yeah. You mentioned the pitching. And the pitching of Michael Walker has been excellent. That's sort been. of. Three, Michael four, Walker. five ERA. Mm-hmm. But what was not up for debate was that the Padres had three horses at the top. Mm-hmm. You Darvish. So before I even begin, they have been a bright spot, right? Because all of them have an ERA below six, which I think is, you know, as long as you're allowing, you know, six runs or less in nine I'll innings, allow it. I would allow consider it. that a bright spot. <laughs> so you have Joe Musgrove with his five, six, four ERA. Granted, uh-huh. he did play on the moon in, in uh, Mexico in that series. Mm-hmm. So can't blame him a lot, but it's not like he's looked good in his other starts. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have Blake Snell in his 5.04 ERA. And we have you Darvish mm-hmm. leading the staff kind of at a four, six, one ERA. Who has been the most disappointing and who has been the worst? That's tough. I'm going to say the worst has been my feelings. No, um, I think that the worst has been, oof, man, this is tough. Because each of, the, of them, and I know this sounds like I'm making excuses, but Musgrove delayed start, the weight room thing, playing in Mexico City, just shut down your Yankees, right? So that was really cool. Yeah, Darvish. ERA is above four now, but gets a little bit inflated because he gets lit up against the Yankees. So, oh, <laughs> that's really, I know, I just went both ways. So, I really hypocritical of me. Um, and then for Snell, I think I'm going to say he's been the worst because while he has shown a tendency to start off really uh, slow, um, he's had a couple starts lately where he has gone to the fastball slider combo, which typically is a sign that he's like, all right, fine, I'll actually start being good now um, when he does that, but it hasn't worked. So I will say him, but it's hard because I'm always like, well, this guy stinks at the beginning. Um, so I'm going to say him um, for now. But Darvish, actually, no, I'm going to change my mind. I'm going to say Darvish has been the worst because coming off the extension, um, you would expect, let's let's see a little bit better. Let's see you go out there and perform like an ace. That's what I'm going to say for now. But again, because of that one bad star, his ERA got inflated. So There you go. How are you going to watch your favorite team? I'm going here. Um, Bally Sports San Diego is going to be defunct. Major League Baseball is taking over the Padres telecast. It is a fascinating RSN conversation. What is it? Diamond Holdings, I think, is what owns Bally Sports, and they refuse to make their payment. Um, The tweet that I saw from the Padres this morning, we're recording on Wednesday for the Thursday show. The tweet that I saw from the Padres this morning was that the Padres telecasts, which will be taken over by MLB, will not be available if you have the every team package on MLB TV. So if you want to watch Padres baseball in market, you need to pay the additional $20 a month for the single team package on MLB TV. While you explain what the hell is going on with your uh, psyche and Padres fan psyche, I'm going to find the exact wording. And then can you follow that up with what's the point of even watching? Because the first two guys get out on strikeouts, then Juan Soto walks, then Bogarts flies out. 
first of all, that was very rude, but very fair, um, Peter, about how the Padres offense operates. That's literally exactly what happens. I've seen it so um, many times. It's horrible. As as I now look at my phone and Arm Layton is calling me, probably to make fun of the Padres uh, too. Um, first of all, I didn't, I'm, I've been a little bit confused by the broadcast thing. I didn't know because I get my every team package. So if I turn on the game tonight and it's just not available, I, I might just out of protest not watch tonight's game and just watch Spider Verse again, um, before in anticipation of the new one. Um, I don't know, man. It's just, and it's funny because we're recording this. So this is coming out on Thursday, two days ago now. The Padres, as this news came out, they had like a broadcast failure in Miami and there was no graphics and Don and mud were not on the call. And then they had their best like offensive inning (laughs) of the season. So maybe this is look, stranger things have happened. You remember the super bowl between the 49ers and the Ravens when the power went out. Oh, (laughs) you didn't see, you didn't think I would reference that on this show today. Right. Well, guess what? What if you extrapolate that? You know, I'm not even going to – I was going to go into a bit, but I don't even know if I could get myself to convince Jack, that this Jack, is a this, sign. This is delirium at its finest. Like, we're watching a man go crazy live on a podcast. Like, he's cackling like he's in a mental hospital. I almost drank from the wrong side of the bottle earlier. I'm glad you guys didn't notice that. I just went like this for like 20 job. seconds. Funny hat talking funny. I'm, I'm going to read you what's going on with the Padres here. This mm-hmm. is like their official statement on Twitter. Um, they put together a fun graphic with Manny Machado smiling, doing the Bo Jackson bat thing like over his shoulders. So naturally, it's all good news, right? Major League Baseball will take over production and distribution of all local Padres games starting May 31. The new arrangement gives fans the option to now watch on TV or stream digitally without local blackouts subject to national exclusivity. That's kind of the same deal with whatever your favorite market is. San Diegans can now watch Padres games in market, both live and on demand, through a new MLB TV single-team Padres subscription. (laughs) Additionally, Padres games remain available locally on TV for 2023 on the channels below. So for San Diegans, it's available on DirecTV Channel 694, AT&T 781, Cox Channel 4, Spectrum 305. Here's the follow-up. All team subscribers to MLB TV will not have access and will need to purchase the single team Padres package in addition to the all teams package in order to stream Padres games on MLB TV in the San Diego area. So if you are not a cable subscriber in San Diego and you have MLB TV, guess what? 20 bucks a more, 20 bucks a month more to watch your fucking San Diego Padres. I'm never going to watch another Padres game this whole year because I already don't like watching You can get them because you're out of market. Okay. People in San Diego have to pay another 20 bucks a month for them. So my dumbass who doesn't live in San Diego, I'm actually being, I'm being. It's easier to watch Padres games. You're being rewarded. I'm being rewarded. It's easier for you to watch Padres games now. I mean, I know this is separate from like the inner machinations of the team and whatnot, but it still feels like poetically, you know, symbolically representative of the team as a whole and their weird financial strategy that I think sometimes gets a little bit shit for dumb reasons. Oh no, what's going to happen to Peters? He'll be fine. Rich people don't go poor, even the same as other people. Like they'll be fine. Yeah. But there is a sense of like, just to transition, like the worst part about all this, Jack, Peter, and I do not think, and I've talked about this show on how much I want Preller to kill me. Now I really actually want him to kill me. 
Yeah. That I don't think as absent <clears throat> the uh the Austin Nola trade. Of absent that one, I do not really hate any deal the Padres made in a vacuum. None of them. I just think that it's all of them together that has resulted in this issue where I joked with a friend last night, like, yeah, they got to trade Soto at the deadline. It was a joke, but it literally maybe him and Hassan Kim are probably the only players that if you wanted to blow it up and start rebuilding and just punt to next year. I mean, uh, they wouldn't. That's a good point. 37 year old Bogarts is going to be cheap. That's a good point. Yeah. (laughs) But like, they wouldn't move Tatis, but Tatis can no. obviously kickstart that. Like Tatis gets a greater return than Soto does at this point, I think. Yeah, especially because he's the the youth, you know, and he's on on a deal. I think that, I think that even though I don't know what the the average annual value is exactly, I've lost track with all the contracts they've given out. Um, if Jack, I know you love spot track, so yeah, he's he's on it. He's on it already. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean it, and that's the other issue though, because some people leave me comments like, "Well, you want to." lock down great players and i'm like i agree but if things go wrong which they have with bogarts with with darvish to an extent with with um machado to an extent right there are only like three teams that could if they wanted to trade for these guys you know what i mean because of the money and that's not fair it's stupid it's bullshit that baseball is like this but it's the reality and as a result yeah, maybe people want to trade for Tatis because of the blockbuster factor. He's a super villain now. You can market the next uh, bad Marvel movie with him, whatever, right? Like you can do that, but you don't want to trade him. He's kind of the face of your team. Um, and speaking so about speaking speaking about great deals, um, the San Diego Padres traded their entire farm system for Juan Soto. Yes. Are you going to resign him or? That was again in a vacuum. None of the deals are a, a bad you know, uh, trade or signing, but you trade for Soto, you give up Abrams, Gore, Hassel, uh, James Wood, who I've heard from people in the Padres organization and uh, other people who are fans like that guy sounds like he's going to be a freaking beast. Yeah. Forget that for a second. If you trade the future and the big signings and moves you made in the off season are not to extend that guy that you gave up the future for, I don't know what we're doing. If we rewind and, and people were like, hey, how about we just my big free agent of the offseason that I wanted was Michael Conforto, who I look stupid for the first month, but he looks like he's been doing better. You yeah. do that and you extend Soto. That was kind of my dream offseason in a lot of ways. But now it's you do Bogarts, Darvish, Cronenworth. We even talk about him. He's been horrible. It's just. I don't understand the did they just see the giant dessert pie, which I can relate to. Of course yeah. I can. I really can. Shit, me too, brother. They just, yeah. <laughs> they're just the eye candy. Did it just kind of pop out to them and they ignored everything else they weren't thinking with their head anymore? And then they just they just went in, you know? Yeah. Um is that what happened here? And if that's what happened here, ooh, we're gonna get a lot of uh um staff turnover, I think. Flip side. I think they also saw an opportunity to have three Octobers with Juan Soto on their team. And they Absolutely. viewed that as worthy of shipping out what could be the future of a winning franchise. You know, how what do I mean? you get so to like, October? Just you curious. get there by winning from oh, April one yeah. to September thirty one, and mm-hmm. uh, they are unfortunately not doing it that much. Last yeah. one from me: 
you wrote an excellent article at JustBaseball.com. And if it wasn't excellent, I absolutely would not use the word excellent here because I frankly don't like you very much. Javi is – I will give Javi credit. We're shitting on him for the Padres. One of the, the best writers on the internet can just unpack a story. And is and I love Javi because he writes about like Russell Westbrook and compares him to A.J. Preller. And a lot of his work yeah. is incredible. So you got to go check it out on JustBaseball.com. And I commend you for coming on and just having a shit on the Padres because they mm-hmm. you deserve it. Well, wouldn't yeah. you say you deserve yeah. it? Oh, I, I I don't know if I deserve it as much. No, you deserve it. But because I'm a sad, decrepit old soul in a young body, I really do think that. But I, I don't know because I, I did – look, as soon as Colby Swolby – my apologies – Swolby Olsen – literally apologizes for any bad take ever, then I will allow uh, myself to be slandered on this show. Um, But yeah, go ahead, Peter. Just continue. Um, No, last thing is the, Mm. yeah, last thing is the the article that you wrote on justbaseball.com, literally titled, Could Fernando Tatis Jr. Be the Villain Baseball Needs? I've got my bobblehead here, my Fort Wayne Tin Caps Fernando Tatis Jr. bobblehead. You've got your Padres. That's a bobblehead. Yeah, there Mm -hmm. we go. Peter, where's your Tatis bobblehead? I do not have one, unfortunately. I do have a uh, broke ass. <laughs> Mookie Betts collector item. Oh, oh there we sick. go. I like that. That is kind pretty cool. Um, um, but yeah, before we let you go, why do you believe that Fernando Tatis Jr. is the perfect supervillain? Because I'm with you. I just want to hear it in your words. I think that oftentimes, and I'm I'm not, I'm not going to get into the off field things worth where. I sometimes think that it's weird who we choose to villainize, especially over the last like 36 hours. What's been going on in baseball? If people have been following, but it's also understandable because those things do get dicey off the field stuff. I mean, um, so, so I understand to a degree, but I think that you take into account his attitude, you take into account his style of play. What he did do was wrong. And I do not hold anything against players that are like, hey, like, I don't like this guy. Like, you cheated. And we compete. We go out here sometimes for our livelihood. And who knows how many people, like, I remember Sean Doolittle of the Nationals, I think, made this point a while ago with the Astros, where it was like, how many journeymen guys just trying to get that maybe next ex- extra paycheck for a year got lit up by Alex Bregman knowing what was coming, and then that was their last chance or the beginning of their last chance or brought down the confidence. This does have a rolling effect. So I understand players. For me, I, I would criticize fans more. I was amongst the Yankees faithful, whatever the hell you guys call yourselves, stupid ass fans. Um, thank you. And hearing them boo, <laughs> so thank you. Uh, hearing them boo, and then it's it was like their favorite presidential candidate, whoever it is. I would venture to who I think it would be, but I won't. Uh, like won the election after he struck out, or when he got picked off at first base. Um, I think that he has the attitude to do it. And I think that's why he could be a great supervillain because he's also very good at what he does. This isn't Dylan Brooks. This isn't nowadays Russell Wilson. This isn't any of those guys. This is actually a really great player or Carlos Gomez, if people want to remember him from a while ago when he was kind of a villain. It feels like the Astro spotlight has gone. And for me, Tatis can live up to it. And you saw it this weekend. Hits the two home runs. He does, and I know this sounds hyperbolic, but one of the funniest clap back backs that I've ever seen that that was so lame uh at fans I've ever seen with the orchestra thing and he did that before he hit a home run two innings later 
that was awesome. And he lives up to the moment and he's going to live up to all the moments in which fans boo him, even though I have some questions sometimes, especially among the Yankees people who I wrote about in the article of what they've been booing and choosing to celebrate over the last year. But uh, I just take it in stride. I think it's fun. And as long as he doesn't mess up again, I think it'll eventually go away. You know, I think that eventually people will be like, all right, cool. 22 year old did something stupid. Like, come on. What else is there? Speaking to Yankee fans, a little bit hypocritical. We uh, rode the coattails. I think every fan, think every fan base is yeah. hypocritical when they complain about this stuff. I know the Astros were like, yes, kind of the one that but the Yankees are it. in a little bit of a different category, riding yeah. the coattails <laughs> of Jason Giambi and Alex Rodriguez. And that's Andy Robinson Cano, potentially Andy. Pat- like we could just keep mm-hmm. listing off the names. So for them to do it and Tatis to bounce back, I think he is a great supervillain and I love it. Right. It's a, it's different when a supervillain is like, you don't want the supervillain to win. There's a part of, I think baseball fans that, like Tatis that want to see him succeed even more because now there's some sort of emotional attachment to all this. My last question, we asked this to Ryan Finkelstein, who of course covers the Mets for just baseball. And since then the Mets have been playing much better baseball. So what this could do for the Padres Mm. is turn the season around after we've been shitting on you. So my last question, the same thing I asked Ryan Finkelstein, when is it time to press the panic button? Like, where in the schedule are you keying in on where it's like, all right, if we're not 500 by here, and maybe it isn't 500, like if we're a couple games below 500, like what do you need to see in the next couple of weeks to make you feel confident that the Padres will compete and will get into October? Two things. One, in order to match their record, and then we're recording this on a, on a Wednesday, in order to match their record from last year where they won 89 games, they'd have to go 64 and 44 the rest of the way, which is not the best thing you want to hear if you're a Padres fan. It's not, it's not, you know, inconceivable given the talent they have. And two, I think that I think that you give it to what do we know when the trade deadline is in August? Is that July 31st? July 31 July 31st. or yeah, August 1. It changes in that couple day yeah. window. It's like 4 p.m. Eastern on one of those days. I would give it till July before panic mode sets in. And look, Captain America said this at Avengers Endgame. It better work because I don't know what I'm going to do if it doesn't. So hopefully we don't get to that level where we are actually genuinely. And you guys on this show saying, do they have to trade Juan Soto because they have nothing else? But I would say the only thing that gives me hope is it's a classic sports thing that I, I go to every year when I'm trying to evaluate what teams I think will be good or what players will be bad. If a player is so bad or so great, just to expect a regression to the mean. In this case, expect the Padres or hope that the Padres won't be one of the worst offenses I've ever seen with runners in scoring position. If they can be the 17th best, that will be huge because of their pitching, because of their bullpen, and because of their defense on the field. That could be what works. And look, we got an extra wild card spot. That's basically the optimism I have. I don't really see it right now. But in fairness, if you've been this bad, that bad, it's like, do we really like all these guys, every single one has to underperform this much for the rest of the year? You could maybe say in a month from now, if they start hitting better and scoring some runs, it it wouldn't be the most wild thing I've ever heard. So expect at least a regression of me in in that area. And then maybe maybe they'll be uh, not terrible and I won't be uh, having a mental breakdown every day. 
Keep the blind faith, Padres fans. You Keep can't be any faith. worse than this is the main message from our Padres writer, Javier Reyes. <laughs> Javi, thank you for coming on, going through the ringer. Definitely go read all of Javier's stuff on JustBaseball.com. Unbelievable writer. Knows his Padres inside and out. But now it's time to talk to Clay Snowden on why he switched from writing about the Oakland A's to the Detroit Tigers. We welcome on Clay Snowden. You can find his work on JustBaseball.com. He's our resident Reds writer. And he also wanted to venture into the Oakland A's this season. Clay is a freak and loves bad baseball. And this episode is about bad baseball. But as a guy who loves bad baseball, Clay, you couldn't handle covering the Oakland A's any longer. So you switch to a Detroit Tigers team that is playing decent baseball and no real Tigers players came up in our first segment where we talked about some of the worst players in Major League Baseball, but who did come up a lot was your Oakland Athletics or former Oakland Athletics. Tell us the story, a quick background on why you love bad baseball so much and then why the switch from the A's to the Tigers because... If you can't cover the A's, like, how are we supposed to find an A's writer? Yeah. So um, I, I don't know why I'm, like, drawn to these teams that are bad. It might just be like I'm one of those people that cheers for the underdog all the time. I don't actually know the reason. But I wanted a second team this year because doing just the Reds, like, that's fun and all. But, like, I wanted a new challenge. I wanted something to, you know, keep me sharp and, you know, have me diving into new players and um, having me write even more. So I thought, okay, how about the A's? Like I can watch the Reds games when those end. I can stay up. I already stay up and watch West Coast. Might as well pick the A's. No one's covering them. And now I know why, Peter. Um, I think my breaking point after was watching Richard Lovelady in like the eighth inning on a Tuesday night at 1 a.m. And I said, oh, my God, dude, I am. I think I'm wasting my life. You know, I'm I'm almost I turned 30 years old in a couple in about two, three months. I said, I cannot spend this time in sleep on Richard Lovelady in the eighth inning. And um the the reason why I switched to the Tigers was I, I for whatever reason I've kind of liked them. Like I'm a Michigan State fan. So I, I guess just naturally, you know, following Michigan State-esque Twitter, I've kind of followed the Tigers. I'm already watching their games almost every day. So I figured, well. No one really covering them. I have a good grasp on that team. I'm already kind of the Tigers guy at just baseball. I do all of their like previews and anytime there's an article for them. So I said, you know what? Why not do a team that actually has some storylines? Because I wrote all five storylines that the A's had this season. And I said, all right, my job's done. <laughs> yeah. So you know what you feel like? Um, are you a Ted Lasso guy? <laughs> I'm not, but I've seen two seasons. Okay, so one of um, wait that know, that perfectly encapsulates Clay right there. I was waiting like, for someone loves to say that baseball. And he's like, I've seen all of them, but I'm not. Yes, I was so, waiting for someone to say something. I did not enjoy Ted Lasso to the extent that everyone else did. I, I like Ted Lasso. Yeah, I, you're caught up on season three, right? I'm caught up. Yeah. So Keely, um, who was Roy's girlfriend, launches her own PR. Th- I'm not spoiling anything. Launches her own PR firm. And 
some of her employees are ones that kind of bounce around from company to company, helping them get off the ground, and then they move on to greener pastures. That's what yeah. Clay does with shitty baseball teams. That just <laughs> kind of clicked for me. He was with Oakland and was like, my job here is done. And on August 1st, he's going to Kansas City. I know that for a fact. He told me in confidence, and I just brought it to the air. Um, now, so this is the second time we've talked about Richard Lovelady on this podcast. He's the best and- reliever on the A's. The, the point that I made, you hear the last name Lovelady. What do you know about him? Guy gets after it, right? Yeah. Yes, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. He he would be great on the 2022 Dodgers, right? <laughs> He'd be perfect right at the All-Star break. You know, have a good time. But do, do you know what's funny is kind of the timing of all this. So, like, right once I said, okay, I'm going to do the A's thing, I'm going to whatever, like, literally two weeks later, announce the team is, like, actually going to move. Oh, well – all of the fan interest dropped. Like everybody that I kind of followed on Twitter, that were A's fans were all like, I'm not following the team anymore. So it's like, okay, wow. great. I then like this week say, all right, I'm moving to the Tigers. A's win two in a row against Atlanta <laughs> of all teams. And then the Tigers are like Riley Green injured, Matt Verley injured, <laughs> like all of their players injured. Like I am cursed. So maybe I need to go to – the White Sox next, Jack, so that they officially sell everybody off and my curse travels with them, and then maybe you get to have some enjoyment in your life. That'd be good for me. Um, the Tigers are really interesting, man. Like, And I know that you keep tabs on them. They just called up Reese Olsen to make his yep. Major League debut on Friday. They are needing to dip into the farm when they don't have much of one. How much of a cause of concern is that for Tigers people? I think with the Tigers right now, you know, they are a second place team, two games out of first place, which is hilarious in so so many ways. And a big part of that is Zach Zach McKinstry. McKinstry. I know that's like a funny thing to say. Look up his stats, man. He has been absolutely incredible. He's walking a ton, making great contact. Like everything he's doing is great. And he's stealing bases too. I think Akil Badu's turned a corner. Like there's reasons why they're in second place, even though they do not have a great record like they're actually turning into a decent team now all of the injuries erod green that's going to hold them back but like jack said they're having to dip into their farm and even outside the organization they just traded for um jake um Marisnik. yes and he came over from chicago for just cash and that was the verling injury well the day he gets acquired riley green goes down so now he's starting in center field, like less than 24 hours after he's acquired from the Charlotte Knights of all places. So this team is spiraling to a point with injuries. And Olsen actually started off pretty bad this year, but he's, you know, highly regarded and he's been doing well his past two or three starts. And I actually like that move because that's the type of player that could impact the future for the Tigers. And they've had so many injuries to that rotation over the past 18 months. Um, Tarek Skubal is actually ahead of Matt Manning is what they said. And he's going to be coming back sooner than expected. Um, So that's much needed. Of course, Casey Mize is still out and Matt Manning will be back at some point. I have a question um, because you said that Richard Lovely and going back to the Oakland A's for a second, because it's hilarious. You said that Richard Lovelady, when he came out on the mound in the eighth inning at one o'clock in the morning, that was kind of your breaking point. Yeah. I'm curious 
what was the starting point? Like, what gave you hope? Because you did it for a while. Like, I'm yeah. proud of you. You got through two months of the Oakland A's. Yeah. So, in the first couple of weeks of the season, like, what were some of those bright spots where you're like, you know what, I can do this? Yeah, and for those of you out there that don't know anything about me, there, there's probably six teams that I follow extremely closely to the point that I feel like I could write about them and kind of do what I'm doing. Um, and the A's were just the one that absolutely nobody wanted to touch. And, you know, I thought, okay, I'll try it out. Holy shit, Peter. There's only so much Ruiz and Rooker that you can tweet out. And then Rooker went ice cold. In terms of just, like, what were some highlights, I think – um and this is going to sound really sad, but like watching Ryan Noda play baseball was awesome. Like yeah. that guy is legit. And I love watching him take at bats because it's so advanced. And I know that he has his flaws, but like a fun player for sure. And watching Ruiz, like that's the type of player that if he was on the Yankees, everybody in the league would love him. So much energy. Other than that, man, Ma- Mason Miller's first start was electric injury <laughs> how about how about Braden analyzing a game we've we've texted several times Braden analyzing a good pitcher that is opposing the Oakland A's is a reason that I watch Oakland A's baseball He's fantastic yeah. yeah he is absolutely incredible and I'm glad that A's fans have him because they don't have much else to tune in for to be completely honest and I I love A's fans like that's a good group of people that have had just a volcano explode on them in the past year um so it's been really tough for them and i can understand why they don't want to move their fandom to vegas um which honestly i don't want to get into all of the details but the vegas situation is kind of looking like a disaster already before it's even really started um but you know watching the ace play every day really makes you appreciate other teams that you may like follow um, being a Reds fan, everyone complains about ownership and whatnot. Like the A's have it so much worse. So believe it or not, to an extent, to an extent, I've appreciated that the Reds even more because of it. So moving back to the Detroit Tigers, because I think we've covered the A's enough. Moving yeah. back to the Detroit Tigers, because they can be entertaining at times. Like I remember, uh, I think earlier in the season, they were leading all of Major League Baseball in walk-off wins, right? Lot Just a lot of excitement there. Um You've been watching Tigers games because you've only been covering the Tigers officially now for a little bit. But like you said, Michigan State fan, been watching the Tigers. A big piece is Spencer Torkelson, who has just not taken that full leap that I think we all thought he would coming out of Arizona State, the number one overall pick, one of the best hitters in college baseball that I've seen in a while. He's getting better. You can you can see it. The hard hit rate is increasing. Like He's starting to hit the ball in the air. Like Everything is starting to click but it hasn't fully clicked yet with green you saw it a little bit quicker and green is younger than spencer torkelson still with torque what are some of the improvements that you've seen so far watching them all the time and then what do you think he still needs to improve on to unlock that full potential i think he's so close i really do i mean the other day i'm watching a game and he put together four at bats all of them walks but it wasn't even that. It wasn't just the pitcher was out of the zone. He was taking pitches that I did not see him take last year. And he has made drastic improvements. And the Tigers as a whole, that's a big philosophy of theirs. It's just or f- philosophy of theirs is 
taking pitches, working counts, and you can see it with the improved walk rates across the board for a lot of these players. Now they can't hit with runners in scoring position, so it doesn't really add up. But Torque has been impacting the baseball. It, it seemed like every single day I would see him just line a baseball straight into the shortstop's glove or straight to the left fielder. Like he was hitting the ball really well. And if you were to look at like expected batting average or something, I'm sure he would have a much better. He does. Yeah. And he's impacting the baseball like crazy. He's doing better at, he's taking better pitches and improving at bats. But the issue is you see a four walk game one day, the next day, over five with a couple K's swinging out of the zone. Like, I don't think it's a, like flipped. I think that we're seeing moments of it. And I think that he's kind of learning on the fly right now. And I'm sure in the back of his head, he has 2022, like, man, I did not do well. Like, I've really got to impress in 23. And that may be why he started off a little bit slow. I think he's more comfortable now. Um, they're showing trust in him. And we are seeing the the results. So I have another question, too, because I, you know, we talk about the Tigers. We talk about the A's. And this episode is about bad baseball. And the Tigers don't necessarily fit that bill. And another team that you cover, I don't think fits the bill and a team that I'm kind of excited about because we just shit on Javi all the time for his San Diego Padres. But I'm having a hard time shitting on the Cincinnati Reds yeah. because the Cincinnati Reds, we went over in the last podcast when we said, all right, we got to, we have a hundred dollar budget and we have to put them on teams to win the division that are in third place or lower. And I said that the Cincinnati Reds value right now. And it's funny. I said it on BetMGM at plus 4,000. The next day, plus 3,000 after that commanding win over the Boston Red Sox. And the Brewers ended up losing that game. So they crawled within three games of the division. Ellie De La Cruz is getting called up. And Arm and I were discussing what's going to happen with the infield. What do you foresee with Jonathan India, with Spencer Steer, with Matt McClain standing on his head, and Carnacion Strand coming up? Yeah, I do think they have an outside shot of winning this division. I really do. Now, do I think it's actually going to happen? No. But do I think that of teams in their position, I think they're in a decent spot? How do you think that the infield is going to stack up once Ellie does get called up? So I put out an article that went out today, Wednesday, as we are, are recording, just sorting out the infield, walking through the depth chart, why I think what. To me, Ellie comes up, and although he's playing shortstop, he was playing third base at AAA when McLean was at shortstop. They were both kind of getting at-bats. I think the easiest way is to do the Gunner Henderson thing. Put him at third base. Keep McLean at shortstop. India, even though he's not a good fielder, like you're not moving Jonathan to India midseason from second base. Now he's going to play a lot of DH2. Ellie can go to short, you know, shift everybody around. To me, instead of shifting around the entire infield for Ellie to De La Cruz, put him in at third. Spencer Steer has been playing a ton of first base. CES comes up. Christian Encarnacion strain, put him in at DH. I think that moves Nixon Zell to the outfield again. Mm-hmm. because he has been playing a lot of third. Okay, now Nixon Zell is the platoon partner with Jake Fraley, who crushes righties, cannot touch a lefty. Nixon Zell crushes lefties. Senzel today playing in left field. He was only a center fielder, third base, kind of second. He started to play corners more. That's how I see it playing out. Jack, two things here. 
The Reds are winning baseball games and playing an exciting brand of baseball. TJ Friedel is a good baseball player. They're not hitting home runs at all. What's going to happen to this team when Ellie De La Cruz and Christian Encarnacion strain? You know, you get people on base. Now you have people that can legitimately change the trajectory of the game with one swing at the bat. How electric is this team going to be to watch when they get called up? They're going to get exciting to watch. Uh, Again, I am an eternal pessimist, so I have to kick it to the pitching because I do worry about the pitching depth. Me too. But the offense is going to be full-blown fun. And like one through nine is going to have a certain level of intrigue. I don't know either. Oh, sorry. No, no, no. You're good. I I was just going to say my only question in regards to the Reds is last day of the regular season, last turn through the rotation, assuming full health, what do Reds fans want the rotation to look like yeah and i think it's some combination of graham ashcraft who is not pitched well yeah okay hunter green nick lodillo assuming health yes the next two are the same questions we had coming into the season and you know what ben lively's a freaking dog i don't care what anyone says he's 31 years old (laughs) he has looked incredible so far now do i think that keeps up no but there's something to be said for a guy who comes in and is able to get outs and look who he's faced in his first three starts, Red Sox, Cardinals, Yankees, and he's gotten the job done. So to me, I stick with him until otherwise. Now that fourth one is going to be some combination of Andrew Abbott, who's Abbott. tearing it up in AAA and Brandon Williamson. So I really think it's who falters first Williamson or lively. Um, most likely scenario is lively even if you pitch as well it's like okay thank you so much like you're back to the bullpen or you're back to triple a or whatever Here's your Just reference check yeah exactly it means more for the future to have like brandon williamson figure it out than ben lively but as a fan and as a team that's still technically may 31st in a playoff race yeah. you gotta keep pitching who's playing well so but andrew abbott needs to be in that in that rotation at some point in time. And I think they will. I'm glad that they did not rush him immediately and say, Luis Sessa sucks. We DFA him. Oh my gosh, bring up Andrew Abbott immediately. I think teams get in trouble when you try to fix holes with prospects instead of letting it naturally work out or there's an injury, call up the prospect. Like, I think that's oftentimes a knee-jerk reaction to fixing holes in a team. That's why it's important to have depth. A guy like Kevin Newman, as little as we probably care about like his impact on the team, he's been really good recently, and he's filled some holes. Today he's batting leadoff and playing third base. And it sounds crazy, but he's hitting the ball well. And, uh, you know, he's kind of buffering right now because if they didn't have him, you might have a prospect up trying to fill a hole, and I don't love that. Last thing for me, September 12 through 14 – Reds Tigers in Detroit. Are you there? You know what? I've been to um, Detroit for a game against the Astros a couple years ago, and Terry Scoople absolutely shoved. Hell yeah. um, Robbie Grossman had a walk-off bunt in that game to win it. So I would love to go to that. It's about five and a half hours for me. So, yeah, maybe I will, j- just for the content purposes. Perfect. Well, Clay, we commend you for your two-month work on the Oakland Athletics, and we are excited for the rest of of the season to cover the Detroit Tigers because they are somewhat of an exciting team. I'm not going to give them full-blown exciting, but semi-exciting, which is far above what they have been in previous years. 
And of course, all of your great work on the Cincinnati Reds. You can find all of Clay's work on JustBaseball.com. Clay, thank you for coming. But just to wrap up on the podcast, of course, the Just Baseball show is brought to you by BetMGM. All the links are in the episode description. But of course, gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. And the best way to support the Just Baseball show is to get yourself some Just Baseball merch. That is in the episode description. This was Bad Baseball. If you liked it, rank and review this podcast five stars, whether that be on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. And if you didn't like it, we'll be back to our regularly scheduled programming moving forward where we highlight some of the best parts of Major League Baseball. But Clay, thank you again for coming. And with that, thank you.